Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Vroom. Vroom, vroom. Vroom, vroom. Caitlin. Yeah? I'm starting up the engine. Oh, that's what. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see it. I hear it. Because we're back. <laughs> Because we're back. We took one week off for the first time in two years. Very long. Vroom, vroom. And also that is a, a, a little hint into something I'm going to be talking about later. Vroom, vroom. Keep that in mind. Vroom, vroom. Oh my gosh. Wait, I don't even know what you're referring to. I know. This but, will be a surprise for me. But when it hits, you're going to be like, oh, brother. And you're going to roll your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say you're going to be so excited. But I'm like, you're probably going to be kind of annoyed. Uh-huh. Welcome to the Bechtel cast. It's 2022. My name's Jamie Loftus. My name is Caitlin Durante. And this is our show where we examine movies through an intersectional feminist lens using the Bechtel test as a jumping off point. However, we're not doing that specifically specifically today because today is a special episode to kick off the new year i think very special episode it's an after school special yeah i think we did the same thing last year and the year before if i'm not mistaken and probably other times throughout the the legacy of this podcast no way of telling (laughs) we're not gonna look there we're entering year six of this podcast Mm. this year which Mm -hmm. is wild truly and so yeah at the you know the end and beginning of the year we like to take time to uh check in with ourselves check in with our listeners and uh kind of do a um, our version of a state of the union <laughs> <laughs> a town hall discussion if you will uh-huh. we invite all the ken bones and do you remember ken bone i do remember ken bone oh my gosh i haven't thought about ken bone i think he ended up being villainous oh no oh, wait again not going to check. Um, <laughs> today, we're doing a fun episode in which we are answering some questions from our listeners, but not just any listeners, our mm-hmm. S-tier elite 
gold star listeners. <laughs> Not to discriminate, but they are uh, subscribers over at our Patreon, a.k.a. Matreon. Um, mm-hmm. Truly such a fun community. So uh, we'll we'll plug that at the top. If you're a listener that is looking for more Bucktailcast content, we do two additional episodes there on a fun theme every month. Just episodes with me and Caitlin, kind of loose, kind of fun, still the show. We asked our Matreon subscribers if they had any questions that they would like us to cover. Mm-hmm. And it's a fun, interactive community. And we got some fun questions this year. We certainly do. Um, so thank you to everyone who submitted a question. We're not going to have the time to answer all of them. But um, we really appreciate everyone who submitted a question. And your matronage. And your matronage. We also... Again, we have done a few of these Q&A episodes in the past, both on the main feed and as Matreon episodes. So if you submitted a question and we aren't answering it now, chances are we've already answered it in a past episode. Yes. So go back and (laughs) listen to them all. Always be answering questions. A back. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a reporter. That's what I say to people when I... (laughs) <laughs> I mean, look, our our listeners are curious people. Yeah. And we've got answers for you. We do. And and uh there there were some there were some head scratchers. I think everyone was really firing on all cylinders. There's fun questions, there's hard questions, there's questions in between. Mm-hmm. So shall we get into it? Let's get into it. All right. Starting with this question from Marie. Mm-hmm asks, is it hard to watch movies just for fun after five years of the cast? Any tips for how to just enjoy a sexist romp? Well, this this one actually, um, I had to take a beat with this question. What is what do you mm-hmm. what do you think? Because I think that I'm for me, at least for the first question, I feel like there's like this, I'm imagining like a, a sine wave in terms of like that journey of like, it was hard for me to watch movies just for fun for a while, mm-hmm. but now five years in, I have no problem doing it. I feel like you have to like, I don't know, I guess we've just been doing it for a while, but there are certain movies that like, especially if I'm like excited to see a movie, I won't watch it really with a Bechdel lens the first time I see it. I'm like, let me just see how this movie makes me feel. And then same, same. I'll go back and watch it again with the Bechdel lens and see if paying attention with an analytical eye changes how it made me feel the first time I saw it. Yes. Does that make sense? Of course, because I do something pretty similar. I I mean, unless something is very blatantly like... I mean, if it sucks, it sucks. <laughs> and if it's misogynist and racist or whatever it is, and it's really obvious, it's like, well, yeah, shut it off. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Um, but if I'm just watching a movie for fun and not because I'm prepping for an episode, I usually just go in with a kind of a neutral point of view, uh, not analyzing it for anything in particular. And that usually allows me to experience the entertainment value of a movie because I don't want this podcast to ruin the idea of movies for me. And so far it hasn't, which I'm very grateful for. Mm-hmm. There's also an interesting thing about our job, which is that... It's super fun. Mm -hmm. Our job is to watch movies and talk about them. That's a very fun thing to do. And so it can be kind of hard to separate our job from like leisurely watching a movie. Or (laughs) again, it was it was hard for me 
at first because like my main hobby is watching movies. So right. I was like, oh no, like now that I've blended these two things, like am I ever going to be able to enjoy movies again? Mm-hmm. But I've found that it hasn't been that much of a challenge mm-hmm. for me. So as, as far as like tips on how to just enjoy a sexist romp and this is going to be for for me like for it'll be movies that I already loved that's what I was going to say is like and it's going to be different for I mean obviously we're not telling you how to live your life this is just our opinions (laughs) but yeah it's like I there are certain movies that it's like uh yeah and I've been watching this movie my whole life like it's right there's I mean I feel like Back to the Future is a perfect example of that for you is like mm-hmm. there's obviously gigantic enormous red flags all over <laughs> that movie all over Indiana Jones all over you know like yeah all these famous movies and I think it just like depends on how long it's been with you have you like put in the thought to like what the what the damage is do you understand the problems and then you go from there. Mm-hmm. It it is tough. I mean, and I and again, it's like this doesn't this isn't something that I have had any issues with with movies that I'm seeing recently because it's like yeah, I don't really enjoy any sexist romps that I'm seeing for the first time. Yeah, exactly. So if it's a movie that I'm coming into fresh, and it's a sexist romp, yes, doing this podcast has made me not be able to enjoy that anymore but the movies that I already loved that many of which we've covered on the podcast and I've had to like really grapple with like oh my god Mm -hmm. this is horrible looking at it through this lens but I still love it and I can't help it I think it's a willingness to do the grappling and it's a willingness to like examine the era it was released into and and what was tolerated and why it was tolerated and who is harmed when stuff is tolerated and and again I mean it's just like just be willing to do the work and then see how you feel Mm -hmm. yeah and then I guess my last tip would be like if you're watching a movie with friends or something like that Mm -hmm. something I do because I've got friends. I've heard of them. <laughs> and I watch movies with them. I've seen it. You've been there. I've been there. Countless times. Not as a friend. <laughs> just as an observer. Yeah, I say, Jamie, you can come, but you have to sit in the corner and observe. And then Kayla says, and you're not my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm a real monster. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, but like part of the enjoyment of watching like an older like sexist romp Mm -hmm. is like us having the discussion or like calling it out and kind of like poking fun at it during it and like right when you're watching it yeah that's just like a way in which I find viewing movies like that to be enjoyable and productive so Mm -hmm. that's my big tip Oh my goodness. I totally agree. Yeah, I think it's it's like have the discussion with your like with yourself, have the discussion with your friends. Same goes for we had a few listeners say I have young children who I kind of want to expose them to the movies that I loved growing up, but they don't age well. So like should I just not expose them to those movies at all or mm. should I? And then we like have a discussion about it. If it were me, I mean, it's entirely up to each individual. We're famously parents, so I feel <laughs> right. happy to weigh in. <laughs> I'm famously amazing at uh, rearing and raising children. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not coming at this from a parent's perspective. But if it were me, I think I would like show kids movies I loved. But then like, 
either during or right after have that discussion about it. Like, oh, did you notice this? Let's talk about how that is harmful or mm-hmm. like, you know, how it could have been handled, handled differently, things like that. And honestly, I think that there's a lot of cases, at, at least, and again, I'm not a parent, but of my many friends who do have kids, I have a lot of friends who will show their kids, you know, their favorite movies from when they were a kid that have problematic elements and the kids have no interest in it and they don't even want to talk about it because they don't want to see it again because (laughs) kids movies are operating kind of, you know, thankfully on a higher level now. And I mean, not in every single way, but there's, you know, I, I, Again, it's just I, I think it like like you're saying, it's a willingness to have the discussion and is your you know, is your kid at an age where they're able to have the discussion with you and they're not just sponge braining mm-hmm. um things. Sponge braining, sure. Yep. No, I I understand exactly what you mean. Thank you for the question, Marie. I th- I hope I think I think we I think we covered it. <laughs> I think we nailed it. Our next question comes <laughs> from Jesse. Uh, Jesse says, we love the growth the pod has seen, especially the pivot from hobby to job, from hobby to jobby. Mm. Um, Jesse asks, what is the biggest gift you got from the pod? How do you define success with the pod? And what do you think the pod will look like in five years? Oh, baby. (gasps) Jesse, thank you for the vote of confidence that Caitlin and I will be alive in five years, honestly. (laughs) Let's start. Okay. Biggest gift you got from the pod, I think, easily friendship with you and and having a friend for life and also just like getting to meet so many wonderful people through the podcast has been so personally Mm. fulfilling and rewarding and all of our guests are so wonderful and generous and kind and Sophie Lichterman, our producer, is amazing. Aristotle Acevedo, our producer, is amazing. We love the people we work with. Like, we're very, very lucky. And then I think mm-hmm. for, for me, the, the gift has also been because, I don't know, I mean, I guess at this point, you kind of might not even know this unless you've been listening to the show for a long time. But when we started doing the show, I had not, I did not consider myself a film lover. I had not seen a ton of movies. And mm-hmm. I feel like doing this show has really not just broadened my horizon in terms of perspectives and and ways of looking at movies and kind of like growing your brain with the community which is also a huge thing our our listener community is a huge gift Uh and getting to talk to y'all and like hear your thoughts and get your perspectives has has been so awesome um and also I've just seen like literally hundreds of fun movies like (laughs) there's very little downside to this job (laughs) As I was saying earlier, yeah, we have a really fun job. We're super lucky. Brag. Yeah. <laughs> <We're> very lucky. <laughs> yes, I completely agree with all of that. And I'll just like piggyback a little bit further and say that the feedback that we get on the podcast, both people being like, you're amazing. Thank you so much for this. Blah, 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 blah. No, but like, what I really mean is like, <laughs> what are you? Okay. <laughs> Let me <laughs> going into full on brag territory. Caitlin's like, my favorite part would be when people say I'm so amazing. Okay. And- what I mean <laughs> is, what I mean is, the feedback we get when people say that this podcast has opened their eyes about representation and that they see media in a whole new way and that they've just learned a lot. And I think what people might not realize that much is like we are both on that 
journey of learning just as much as our listeners are. I mean, for sure. Thanks to other feedback we get, which is listeners saying like, hey, have you considered this? There's other tropes that you might not be familiar with. There's other there's other movies that you maybe haven't heard of. Um, check these mm-hmm. movies. You know, just like the feedback we get, both like positive reinforcement and constructive feedback. Those are like incredible gifts that we get from the podcast. Yeah, it's it's there's nothing but gifts. We're very, very lucky. And so I guess... In terms of how you define success with the pod, I mean, that is such a such a murky question. I don't know. I mean, it's it's honestly like success with the podcast for me looks like are people enjoying it? Are people engaging with it? Are people listening? You know, like we're trying, you know, it's mm-hmm. I think we've had pretty consistent listenership over the years, which um, and that is like grown also. And, and so that is very lucky and very cool. And yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just sort of like, are y'all happy? And are we bringing <laughs> new people in? And, you know, I think we've been kind of like a slow but steady kind of consistent show. And mm-hmm. I'm very happy with that. Yeah. One of my favorite little anecdotes is our first ever live show had like 12 people in the audience one of whom was my mom one of whom was your mom who was actively very disruptive hitting on the guest yep and (laughs) and then one of the most recent live shows we did which was also like two years ago Mm -hmm. because of covid ever heard of it uh (laughs) but um there were more people there there was i mean we we sold out like a 300 We'll say we've, yeah, we've played some pretty big rooms, folks, okay, <laughs> for a podcast. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that's what we would like to continue doing. So I guess what we're saying is if you enjoy the show, uh, tell your friends. Tell your friends. Uh, and then what What do you think the pod will look like in five years? I, pff, bold of you to ask a question that involves time because we don't <laughs> fucking know. I hope, I mean, I hope we're still doing it. I hope we're still doing it. I hope we're still happy. I hope, I hope we're still having fun. And we hope you're still having fun. Oh my gosh. And that's my answer. My answer is I think we will have done at least five more Titanic episodes. That's five years. I mean, yeah, that's a given. That's a given. For every year the show lives, another Titanic episode is gestated. That is true. So that's yes. not even, that wasn't even a bold statement. Okay, I'll no. let me change it. 15 more Titanic <gasps> episodes. Wait, okay. Then Can we do it? <laughs> we'll lose every subscriber we have. And uh, then we can finally sink into the, walk into the ocean and rejoin our friends at the bottom oh, of the Atlantic. Wow. Um, no, I mean, I don't, I don't know. They, we, we hope, we hope we're still around. We hope we're still having fun in yeah, five years. And I, th- I hope, I just hope we're, yeah, we're, we're, we're still having fun. We're still growing and learning because this is a constant process mm-hmm. and there's always much to learn. There's always much to learn. Yeah. And we want to keep learning new shit and uh, talking about fun movies. That's all. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Jesse. Good question. Indeed. Burham asks. Good name. In 2020, you recognized that you hadn't been as intersectional as you could have been in your assessment of representation. How do you think you fared on this front in 2021? Will you do anything differently in 2022? I mean, similar to what we were just talking about is just a matter of like 
yes, we've learned along the way, but there's always room to learn more. I do think we made good on a promise to analyze things more intersectionally. Yeah, it became but... very clear that it was necessary for us to mm-hmm. do. And, 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 and I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy with um, the strides we've taken. We could certainly always do more and it's right. our intention to, to do more and, and continue on that. And that's something that we're always open to feedback on. And we hope that the, you know, it's, it's clear to our listeners that the, the line of communication is very open there. Mm-hmm as well as with our guests. Absolutely. In 2021, I think we ma- we made a lot of necessary improvements in our approach and in the kind and in the movies we were covering in general. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about this many times, but it was I think part of the adjustment was also making sure that we were balancing movies that are, you know, highly demanded by our listeners and also making sure that we're bringing new voices into this discussion, making sure that we're covering classic movies that are not just directed by white guys. There's plenty of them. And Mm -hmm. that's something that we are continually working on. And we were just having a discussion the other day about kind of how that's going to play into our, um, our movie load gross our movie load <laughs> for 2022 uh oh there's got to be a better way to say that movie selection maybe our roster i'm sticking with load okay you're uh, sticking with load they're sticking with load uh <laughs> but that is a part of our intent and discussion and has been for a couple of years now in a way that it honestly wasn't in a way it should have been when we started the show so always open to feedback about it and um as always you know we i i posted about it on twitter the other day and also you know there's our spreadsheet is always open to your requests so if there are movies by um not white guys by by women by non-binary filmmakers by trans filmmakers by black filmmakers by brown filmmakers by you know by 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 what movies you want to see we want to know about and mm-hmm. um, we want to find guests that want to talk to us about it and that we can like have a, a cool discussion about so I think we're just going to stay the course for 2022 this is the plan I agree uh, thank you Burren indeed let's take a quick break and then we will come back and answer more questions Bean Dad The Dress 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host. 
Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Um, we have a question from Nuala here. I hope I'm saying that correctly. They ask, would you consider a neurodiverse aspect to your analysis of films? Loving films is often a big part of being autistic for various very interesting and fun reasons, but I struggle to find explorations of film that even consider a neuroatypical viewpoint let alone involve it in an intersectional way. Love the podcast as you take a multifaceted approach to what feminist movie criticism looks like and neurodiversity is another interesting facet of the feminist film criticism, Titanic Heart of the Sea, Diamond. First of all, (laughs) stuck the landing on the Mm, question. mm -hmm. Really know how to to really serve it to us steaming hot on a platter. Thank you. (laughs) This is an excellent question and I think it's something that we... Um, this is an aspect of the show that we really could do better with. Yes. And I think it'll mean bringing on guests who are neurodiverse and Mm -hmm. selecting movies that will generate an interesting discussion as far as neurodiversity is concerned. And yeah, I think it's just a matter of us like making more of an effort to include that in our analysis as far as the films and, and the guests and just applying neurodiversity as a lens by which we're yeah. analyzing movies. Yeah, I was very, very excited to see this question. This is like the exact thing we were just talking about, actually, going back to uh, Burren's question, is when our listeners bring up questions like this, sometimes Caitlin and I are like, oh, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, almost immediately becomes a part of the discussion when we are setting up our next kind of <laughs> load, load of movies <laughs> to to talk about um and and this is like this is an excellent reminder that this is something that we have 
had discussions about in the past, certainly. I think we've we've certainly had neurodivergent guests on the show, and we've talked, I think, several times, not as much as we should, but but several times about neurodivergent coded characters mm-hmm. and kind of how that can play out in movies and kind of the further back you go, the uh, less easy it is to to do the analysis and have the discussion, but they're important discussions to have. Mm-hmm. And um, that's something that I, I'm I'm really interested in continuing to do this year and actually make, you know, more of a, a concerted effort. So mm-hmm. thank you, Nuala. That is, I think, a reminder we need it. So absolutely. Yeah. Again, listeners, if you have any specific requests or guest suggestions, we are uh, very open to it. All ears. Uh, thank you for your question. Yes. Uh, the next question comes from Shari. Sherry, not exactly sure how to pronounce your name, so apologies. Hmm. They ask, how much do you think the changing of tides for modern movies to have more and better representation is genuine? And how much is it just performative or marketing? Hmm. But also, does it matter what the intentions are if the outcome of having more and better representation happens either way? Another great question. This is a fascinating question that we could not possibly answer with any real authority. However, <laughs> I don't know. I, can't, I think about this a lot. I, and I feel like it is, ugh, I don't know why. I, I mean, I bring up that like weird Supreme Court quote a lot where it's like, I know it when I see it. Like, sure. it's. I do think that there is a lot of performativity in general mm-hmm. as it pertains to representation of many different kinds. Absolutely. And again, it, it, it has a lot to do with, I think, uh, you know, one form of performativity is when there is representation in front of the camera and not behind. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of performativity when, you know, you're kind of doing the very, very baseline of like, look at this character who is not a white guy and then fail to treat that character as a person or, you know, just exploit the elements of of the character that are not, I guess, quote unquote, the norm that Mm -hmm. we see in movies. You know, characters that are there but are sidelined or there but are there to support the, you know, white straight lead. And there's a lot of hollowness. Yeah. And it's still, I mean, very much so like, now right but then there's also there will be like executives you know studio executives who are like out of touch rich white men who are like oh diversity seems really in right now right let's like try to fill a quota or whatever you know because they see it in those terms right we have to fill a quota we have to like you know give this many shows or green light these many movies Mm -hmm. that are going to tell the public like we care about diversity but then when creators who are women people of color queer people and so on are then given opportunities to tell their stories and given funding to tell their stories then we get representation from the creators that we want to see telling their own stories even though it did come from a kind of like performative cynical place place. yeah so I think that's like the the question of like, does it matter what the intentions are if it, if the outcome does mean better representation? Right. And it's like, yeah. it does still matter. Like, it does mm-hmm. still matter that the slog of capitalism, uh, which is what it goes back to. And right. like, you know, we can trace it all the way up. And, you know, colonial, you, you can 
we can trace that line, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it does matter because that fucking sucks and it creates a, a, um, I don't know, like this kind of like void of like, we should be grateful to see as much representation as we do when obviously that's not the case. And, And it just kind of begs the question of like, well, can these executives, you know, die? I don't know. Like, you know, can we get some new people in here? Right. But I, but I do think it's like, like you're saying, Caitlin, the demand from viewers, and as poison and evil as the internet is, I think the internet has done a lot to mm-hmm. push these conversations forward. Um, very double-edged sword, as anyone listening very likely knows. Um, right. But I do think that, you know, getting to interact directly and and make it really clear of like this is what we want has made a difference mm-hmm. i wish that it had made a quicker difference i wish that it had made a less cynical difference i wish that it, it was making a less money motivated difference mm-hmm. unfortunately we live in a society and <laughs> it fucking sucks so i don't know I, it's, for shari i mean that's a really difficult question i feel like you kind of answered it in a way, in the second question, uh-huh. where it's like, the outcome is having more and better representation. And that is ultimately a good thing. And that ultimately, I hope, sets a bedrock of like, we're creating a new bare minimum that will hopefully continue to build and build and build. And that is positive. Right. But it's just frustrating that it has to be done that way. But the way we talk about like stepping stone movies yeah. that are not great by our very current standards, but were ahead of their time and kind of paved the way for better representation. I guess we're in like a stepping stone era where like the intentions are often motivated by money and capitalism, but I think will end up paving the way for a media landscape that isn't so motivated by like, ooh, diversity is so hip right now. So let's do that because it'll make us money. It, right. I think we're just in this like era of ushering in better representation that will come from a more earnest and genuine place and not be so motivated by capitalism. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we may be fucked in that regard. Um <laughs> However, but I do think it's like it's and and again, it's uh, as consumers that we are kind of empowered to some degree mm-hmm. to ask for what we want and, and hope and sometimes we get it and sometimes we don't. I hope that, you know, I feel like it's generally a good thing when you can look back several years in like media landscape and like film landscape and like cringe at what you were seeing because mm-hmm. that means that growth has taken place. And I do think we can say that for the past couple of years. You look back on the fucking crumbs we were taking in 2018, <laughs> 2017, you know, there has been change. There has been growth. I am generally optimistic and it's still a cynical, annoying capitalist structure. Yeah. I was actually going to say the same thing to, I forget which question this was for, but when we were talking about, you know, like we're growing and we're learning and as far as like the podcast goes, if I go back and listen to an episode from three years ago, chances are I'm cringing because we were like, uh, I was like, oops, we forgot about this thing. Or we like, right. you know, things that we failed to notice, things that we overlooked back then that we pick up on much more easily. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the whole dang landscape is changing. 
It is. And I um, hope it will continue to. I've been like, yes. I mean, yeah, there's been so much good stuff that's come out in the past couple of years, which I you can't always say. It's very exciting. We're living in the worst of times, but in some ways... <laughs> There's been a lot of good shit coming it's out. The best of times. Which which brings us to our next question, which comes from Gigi. What's one of your spicy film takes for 2021? Uh, also, thank you so much for doing the podcast and being so funny and insightful. I like that you kept the compliments in. You, you've helped reignite Look. my love for movies, good and bad. It's <laughs> like, this is my flex episode. Um Thank you, Gigi. It's nice to be appreciated. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> it makes me so uncomfortable. Um, so <laughs> thank you, Gigi. Uh, we really appreciate uh, your comment and your compliments. What's your spicy film take for 2021, Caitlin? Okay. I was looking back through Letterboxd, which plug everyone. If you're on Letterboxd, we have a Bechtelcast account where we mostly just keep track of movies that we have done our matreon episodes is on like a separate list um there's our watch list of uh frequently requested episodes that we plan on doing in the future you know there's activity on there so check us out on letterbox i also have a personal letterboxed account which you can find by searching my name it's caitlin durante on letterboxd i don't because i'm cringe i don't want people to know what i think about anything um, anyway, so I was going back through just basically all the releases from 2021 on Letterboxd, and mm -hmm. I was reminded that, and maybe this is not a spicy hot take, or maybe it is, I'm not sure, at least of the movies I've seen mm -hmm. that came out in 2021, I feel as though this was an incredibly underwhelming year as far as cinema goes. Wow, that is kind of a spicy take. And it's very possible that there are amazing movies that came out this year that I just have not yet seen. But again, of the ones I have seen, which is a fair number, I, you know, I try to mm -hmm. stay up to date on new releases. I was not really into basically anything I saw with one exception. There was one movie that I absolutely loved <laughs> that came out this year. Which was... Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Oh my gosh. I was going to mention that as like one of the highlights of my 2021. Mm. Yeah, let's hear your... Um, so there's two movies that I saw that came out in 2021 that I really, really liked. One I just saw last night because I couldn't wait for it to go on streaming anymore. So I just <gasps> bought it, mm. which was Zola. Oh, yes, which Zola. I... Really, really loud. We we're gonna cut. We were so uh, we've been getting a lot of requests for Zola. So for your reference, we try to wait until the movie is streaming somewhere a little more generally before we cover it on the show, so it's more accessible to people. Mm -hmm. um, but we may just have to jump the gun because I'm uh, I'm just so stoked on it. Yeah. So uh, I really love Zola. Uh, and then one movie that we both saw that did not even remotely come out in 2021, but I saw it in 2021, and I think I've seen it five times now is the movie Pin. And my <laughs> okay. my spicy film take of 2021 is, you gotta watch Pin. And it came out in like 1980-something. I don't know. Pin is... I truly, like, I don't think I'm bullshitting you when I say it's in my top 10 movies. Really? I, I Wow. Yeah. You and yes, some other I friends of ours really liked it so Pin. much better than I did. <laughs> I loved Pin. 
Pin. I thought Pin was such a special film. And it's on YouTube.com. I mean, talk about <laughs> access to movies. It is a wild one. It is about a, um, it's a story. Is it a story about fathers and sons? Yes. <laughs> but uh, but ultimately, it's also about a, uh, a, a ventriloquist dummy that they put skin on. <laughs> that is, a, And he's a sex ed teacher and he's a murderer. And you gotta watch Pin. It is such, it actually, like, I've. it sounds like I'm lying, but it will make you think yeah i suppose i loved pin <laughs> uh well we both watched pin for our friend alex's horror movie marathon that he does yes. every year time honored tradition another film that we watched for the marathon was malignant which was yes one of my favorite movies of 2021 and not because it's good movie. because it wasn't but it <laughs> was i loved it i thought it was pretty good i <laughs> Oh, that was pretty good. I enjoyed it. There, and then the movie that I know you didn't like, but uh, we've mentioned it on the show before, and oh. I truly think it was like made for me to watch it is Titan by Julia Ducarneau. I, is that where the vroom vroom reference that's was? That's my vroom vroom. Okay, she I has knew sex it. with a car. She gets flirting <laughs> with a car. Um, if you haven't seen it and you're in a and you're feeling very French, uh, I can't. I mean, it's not for everyone, but it's not supposed to be. Uh, I really love that movie. I think that we may cover it on my birthday month on the Matreon. Okay. It's just... I will mentally prepare myself. Yeah, you have eight months to get ready. So <laughs> my spicy film takes are those are the three movies that I... Oh, four, including Barb and Star, which I really loved. Mm -hmm. That really revved my engine room room 2021 oh <laughs> my god i she has sex with a car and that's at the beginning of the movie it's unbelievable um thank you Gigi, for your question vroom vroom <laughs> wait i'm like a i'm like a mazda zoom 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 wow all right okay sophia has the next question and asks which movies do you regret giving high scores to after rethinking their impact? And then Sophia lists Wonder Woman as an example, which is definitely one that we rated too that highly. Is, I was like, that's the one that came to mind for me. Um, we Talk about being trained for crumbs, you know? <laughs> that was a trained for crumbs moment for us. Which is like something that I have been grappling with as we've been doing the podcast for many years is that I have this habit of like going easier on movies or like evaluating them differently based on who has made them or like if it fills a void that needs to be filled in terms of representation mm -hmm. I will be like well it fills a void so it's perfect or it's amazing but that might not be true it's just that it fills a void right. but I will get too excited about it and be like Wow, this representation that we haven't seen yet, uh, five million nipples, right? Which is like, I mean, which I, th I mean, I think that's a very human reaction, yeah. That is cringe in retrospect, <laughs> and I think that's okay. Like, yeah, I think of, um, I think of that. I think of um, as much as I love Moana. I think the <laughs> that movie is, is directed by white guys, mm -hmm. and I think that there's been a lot of productive conversations before and after that movie came out that we were not engaging with to the degree we should have at the time. Sure, about that tendency that is still happening at Disney and and in movies in general. Yeah, those are the two that 
I think come to mind for me. Yeah. I I were like I the Matrix, did it deserve the four and a half nipples that I gave it? Probably not. <laughs> but I love that. But I'm like even movies that I've rated recently, Barb and Star, I think we probably gave too many nipples to. We probably did. But, but it, yeah, but we sometimes it is like inevitable. And I think we acknowledge it in the moment too. Sometimes it's like difficult to not, you know, we're not math, you know, it's some, it, your feelings are going to come into account at some point. And there's, I think that there is like, especially with movies that just came out mm-hmm. which with moana and wonder woman were at least relatively true we were covered it in the first wonder woman was like right away right away moana was like within a year of it coming out mm-hmm. and so i think we were still just really excited about it right and also those are two episodes that are like over three years old and so we were just like not we were not functioning on the same <laughs> level that the show does now so it's true um that said i still love Moana and I oh my god I tried to rewatch Wonder Woman and there's moments in it that still get me really juiced but I honestly think it's not very fun to watch it's a little um underwhelming by um 2022's standards yes yeah Moana gosh nearly perfect movie I love it so much it is wonderful but uh we also gave Wizard of Oz five stars across the board which is absurd I wonder what our reasoning was there I don't know and also I'm like (laughs) I don't want to go back and read that if there's any takeaway here is that take the the nipple scale ratings with a grain of salt because we often are just pulling a number out of our little bums her famously little bums thanks for um, i don't know why excuse me i got a big ass look um (laughs) okay let's move on let's move on we have a few more we have uh we have we have just a couple more questions yes our next question is from erica Erica says, I teach film as literature at the high school level, and I was curious what you both wished you had learned in high school about movies. Honestly, anything. I don't think I learned anything about movies in high school. I think the most I learned about movies was in like the fifth grade because I had this amazing teacher who, and this is like not speaking to the character of this director. I just think that it was really cool that he showed us these movies. Um, he showed, he was really into like Hitchcock movies and he would hmm. show us Hitchcock movies in the fifth grade, which is actually not responsible. Yeah. Um, Cause they're various. I remember he, one day he was like, shout out Mr. Brewster. He was like an amazing teacher. He like, had us do Shakespeare plays and like showed us the birds like I don't know how he was getting away with it but it was really fun but honestly like in term in in high school movies were generally just turned on so you would shut up like I I didn't have any (laughs) any media literacy in high school in college where I did study film allegedly um (laughs) I think that there was there was like so little attention paid to any sort of diversity it felt very like my at least the curriculum that i did at emerson college Mm. call out post (laughs) at least when i was going there was i and i'm sure that it's improved since i went there but or i hope it has but yeah it felt very prescriptive it felt very copy paste you know yeah we were just talking about that on the double indemnity episode about how so many film programs just regurgitate the same curriculum over and over everyone's seen double indemnity because that's the noir movie that everyone watches yeah, yeah. like very frustrating and i feel like in in classes like that for me in college it would be like okay 
we're having one day with women and then we have one day with black filmmakers we'll have one day where here's a movie with a gay character like and then it would be like okay now now back to citizen kane whatever yeah (laughs) citizen kane for the next seven weeks and it's you know obviously we're not saying that those movies have no value but it they're given outsized value uh, mm-hmm. or they certainly were to me i'll never ever ever stop being annoyed that i had to take a class called wilder allen and kaufman <laughs> even though i there are billy wilder and charlie kaufman movies i like but i'm like could you come up with a more egregiously incurious group of people and also one of them is woody fucking allen give me a break yeah um got in trouble in that class for saying correct things about Woody Allen um wow. shout out Jamie, Jamie when she was 21 um so brave. yeah that all that to say in high school nothing in college a different kind of nothing <laughs> right uh about the same for me there was a communications class that focused more on filmmaking than it did on Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. So I, I, and I jumped at the chance to take it um, because that was kind of really the only class like it that my high school even offered. Mm -hmm. And in that class, I did make a short film called Car Wars Return of the Jedi, (laughs) in which a character. Caitlin. In in which what am I supposed to do with this information? You're supposed to just revel in it, Jamie. Okay, I'm rolling around like a pig in slop. Just let it wash over you. Yeah, wallow oh. in the joy that is Car Wars: <laughs> Return of the Jedi. So <laughs> I like it more. <laughs> at the time, I drove a 1988 Buick Skyhawk. Cool. So that is really cool. My thank you so much. It's a hideous car. It sounds cool. <laughs> That um, I cast my sister in the movie. Her character's name is Sarah Huge. Skyhawker because uh-huh. she drove the Skyhawk. Wow, you really put a lot of thought into this. Oh my gosh, it was it's one of my finest works, and I made it when I was seventeen. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, there was another character. I just took like I just basically like took my friends, used their first name, and then added like a Star Wars flourish to it. Yeah. Anyway, it was a it was a spoof. It was a romp. It's about a big race that the Jetta and the Skyhawk they race each other and whoever wins the race saves the galaxy or something. I don't know. But did you get an A? I got an A plus. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so you you learned. I learned so much. Um but anyway, yeah. I wish I had learned more about actual like film history in high school. Um Right. And more about I guess cuz I went on to get a master's degree in screenwriting from Boston University, a fact that I hate to mention, mm. but I wish I had learned more about like how to craft a narrative in general and specifically like a cinematic narrative. Mm -hmm. Those have been cool things to learn. So I don't know if that helps you out, Erica. I wish I had learned uh, about movies in high school, but ultimately I wish that someone had taught me how to do my fucking taxes at any point. So, (laughs) you know, it's kind of like... (laughs) There's a lot of things I should have learned in high school that I oh. didn't. I, I, I really specifically remember my history teacher being like, um, let's watch a historical movie. And then he turned on Zorro starring Antonio Banderas. <laughs> <There. laughs> so, uh, you know, my, schools are underfunded, you guys. <laughs> my sixth grade math teacher taught 
children, sixth grade children, how to balance checkbooks. Whoa! First of all, why are you teaching that to sixth graders? And secondly, that's pretty cool. That's a skill I never needed to use. <laughs> yeah, but at least they were thinking like at that time you could have maybe needed it. Like you know. Yeah, that is true. No one, God, no one ever taught me how to do anything. The most useful thing that happened to me in high school is my high school English teacher set me up a, a Gmail account that I use to this day. <laughs> Um, Incredible. So thank you, Miss Reesh. Wow. Okay, uh, we, we got a couple more questions. Couple more questions. Uh, but first, let's take a quick break and then we will come back and finish off those questions. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating. And a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
And we are back with the next question from Genevieve asks, what's your process for planning episodes? Parentheses, do you choose guest then movie or movie then guest? It kind of depends. Um, yeah. If there's a, a movie that we really want to cover either because like the sequel to it or the reboot or whatever is coming out soon, mm-hmm. then we will kind of do movie first and then figure out a good guest for it. Um, in other cases, we will just like have a list of guests that we know we want to have on the show and then we leave it up to them as far as what uh, movie they want to do for the most part you know it's just, it's kind of like a mixed bag of yeah different things so there are movies that I feel like our listeners are like why haven't you covered this one yet the podcast has been go- going on for five years it's probably because like of the many many guests we've have, had on the show none of them have chosen that movie yet so right and the last thing we ever want to do because this everyone loses in this scenario is as have a guest cover a movie that they have no particular interest in covering <laughs> like right um so yeah i mean it's, it's definitely a mix sometimes there are movies that we really want to cover and if we don't know a guest already who's really passionate about discussing it we'll sometimes be like well is there are there any writers who have written about this movie and that we mm-hmm. know will hopefully be interested in discussing it with us that's sometimes how we'll find an end to discuss a movie that we've been wanting to discuss other times we just sort of I mean you know like our our guests who have been on multiple times um we just kind of have a feel for the kind of movies they like and sometimes we'll be like hey this one and mm-hmm. sometimes they're like yeah or sometimes they're like eh, I don't really feel strongly about that one but here are three that I would love to cover and then we'll kind of take it from there so yeah it's kind of an intuitive it's free form jazz yeah. Um, and and I would it. say, listeners, if there are any movies that you're like, wow, surprised you haven't covered this yet. And I know, like, here's the perfect guess for it. If you have any, like, recommendations, suggestions, anything along those lines, feel free to tweet at us. Let us know. Because mm-hmm. that sounds helpful for us. <laughs> that does sound helpful for us. So thanks. <laughs> um yeah, yeah. So uh, that's hopefully that answers your question, uh, Genevieve. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited for this next question. It's from Harriet. Harriet asks or says, "I'm 16 and about to make a podcast for a big school project. What advice would you give me?" Oh my God, Harriet, this is so exciting! Yay! First of all, congratulations on entering hell. Um, <laughs> there. No, this is really cool. I I um, was thinking about a, a conversation I had with, with my friend Sarah recently, where she was just like. You know, people say that there's too many podcasts in the world. I don't think that that's true. Like everyone has something that they're passionate about and then like a unique way of discussing it. And the more of that that's in the world, the better. Mm -hmm. So my advice would be, you know, talk about something that matters to you and something that you're curious about and do your research Mm -hmm. and find people to talk to who share that curiosity and hopefully have more knowledge on it and a a different perspective than you do and that reads to people like it's Mm -hmm. I feel like podcasting is such a cool form where when you're passionate about something it shows and when you're curious about something it shows and it's such a collaborative form and it's so easy to you know have access to and so easy to reach people and to and to make and um choose something you're you're passionate about don't I, f- I feel like it's always kind of very clear when there's um 
I'm not thinking of anyone in particular here, but like uh, when there's a very cynical, like algorithmically like designed, mm-hmm. oh, people are going to want to hear a podcast about this. And then it's usually fucking boring <laughs> because, uh, you know, it's like there's no heart in it. There's no like right. curiosity. So, Or it's just sort of like people talking about nothing. Don't just shoot the shit unless you're the funniest person on the face of the earth. And I'm not saying this to Harriet specifically, but like all of you. Yeah. No one, I mean, I mean, no, I'm kidding. So, I mean, that, that, but even that is like, there are some podcasts I listen to that are like vaguely focused conversations that are shooting the shit that are very funny. Like mm-hmm. there's no rules. Just don't be an asshole. That's the, that's the rule. Yeah. And, and don't be afraid to get specific. Like some of the best podcasts are like very niche things and yeah. And then, because this is a question that a few different people asked, uh, that they're like looking to start a podcast or they're, you know, they're like getting one up and going. And I would say kind of just from a technical standpoint, it's helpful if you have, and I know that this is an investment and, you know, everyone is probably operating on a different budget and it's probably not that high of a budget, but if you can get your hands on a decent microphone mm-hmm. and if you can just do some basic editing, that's going to make the quality of your podcast a bazillion times better and just absolutely easier for your listeners to enjoy. So obviously like the creative and the the fun parts of podcasting are very important, but uh, the technical stuff is as well. Yeah. If you're able to not cut corners, don't. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh <laughs> And um, we always like to end these episodes with a few fun questions. A smorgasbord. A lot of people had very specific questions about three main topics that kept coming up again and again. (laughs) So I'll just list them all off and Jamie and I can just sort of rapid fire talk about these things. A lot of people wanted to know about the Lego Titanic that I built. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Tell him, Caitlin, you made a financially reckless decision and it and it paid off because you have a huge off. ass Titanic. <laughs> I mean, I didn't get any sort of return on my investment unless you count serotonin. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I did spend over six hundred dollars. I'm I'm horrified. As am on I. A leg- Look, I never treat myself. I never buy anything, and I just I really felt I could and should. Look, <laughs> I have a Lego Titanic. It was worth every penny. Just the building of it, the documenting of the building of it, and sharing that with yeah, very compelling. You should if you haven't gone to Caitlin's Instagram and watched the time lapse. It is. It's like it's it's like you're in Belfast. It's amazing. <laughs> it's, I felt like I was there, and I am there for a little bit. In the video. You are there, yeah. You make a little cameo. That was lovely. Yeah, um, I'm basically Mr. Andrews engineering the damn thing before your very eyes. Oh, and you're also, you know, like a several thousand Irishmen. <laughs> you're doing you're doing the damn thing. It's, I'm doing the damn thing. It's very impressive. I'm really bummed because I took so many more time lapse videos than I ended up posting, but I didn't realize that they didn't actually save on my phone because I had taken so many other time-lapse videos that I ran out of storage. So I took all these videos that didn't even save to my phone uh, because I had done too many already. 
Yikes. So that's a bummer. But there are a fair number on my Instagram. So check those out. And um, uh, people wanted to know, you know, like how it went, how many hours it took. I think I put somewhere between 15 and 20 hours into building it. It was a lot of time. Over the course yeah. of a few, uh, a couple weeks. Um, I don't know where to put it still. We did talk about this on our little mini week off episode. Uh, it is still just sitting on my floor um i don't know what to do with it i think that you need to just get like a, a hefty shelf mm-hmm. a hefty shelf yeah for a titanic i will all right our, our next question our, our next question that we get all the time and and thank god is about <laughs> alfred molina it's just about alfred molina in general and i mean a lot of questions were like who would alfred molina play in a christmas prince or a princess switch movie because we got a lot of questions about the christmas netflix movies which is i mean i'm honestly just glad that people are still on board with those episodes because we have so much fun doing them (laughs) um so i mean to answer that specific question i think you know with all due respect vanessa get out of there let's get alfred in there and he's all of the princesses obviously obviously but alfred Molina in general i mean another amazing year for our guy al mm-hmm. uh freddie freddie as we call him because he's freddie. our friend and he's been on the show <laughs> and then people were asking about his performance in spider-man no way home which i have not yet seen but i have received a re- i mean it made me feel good mm-hmm. uh, i've received so many texts asking if i've seen it yet and i haven't <laughs> Because uh, the second I was going to see it in theaters, uh, guess who reared her little head again? It was the coronavirus. And oh, so I'm that's... waiting. Uh, but this year, I, I, this year in Alfred Molina for me was I collaborated with Super Yaki and um, made two Alfred Molina themed t-shirts. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a very rewarding that was my Molina moment for this year. I love that. I have one of those shirts. And Molina, Freddie, our friend, uh-huh. got married this year. Yes. So good for him. Uh, you know, he he married. Um, oh my gosh, I'm a misogynist. The director of Frozen. Yes, what is Jennifer, her name? Jennifer Lee. She yes. and Alfred Molina are married. They seem very happy. What a power couple. We love that for them. Congrats, Freddie. Just a, a banner year for Freddie. I think honestly, like Freddie's. <laughs> career-wise personally he was knocking it out of the park this year certainly and as someone who did see spider-man no way home because i saw it on opening day yeah you saw it you got in right in the nick of time i got in early yeah yeah i would say it's well worth the watch jamie so when you do have a chance to see it safely Mm. please do you won't be disappointed i look forward to it Mm -hmm. um yeah i'm on i'm when it comes to friday i can wait and i hope he's listening <laughs> um so uh another another fun question we got was from michelle asks which movie that you've covered would be a hundred times better if shrek was the main character yeah thoughts jamie uh titan titan <laughs> <laughs> Not to not to call out my favorite movie of 2021 and saying would have Shrek had sex with a car, but it wow. does make you think. It, maybe it would be a less of a feminist text if mm. it was. But but if Shrek got pregnant by a Sh- car, Sh- Shrek-tane. 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 I think that that's my final answer. I. I I still want I I just want two cuts of the movie. I want the original Titan, and then I want Shrek Tane. Oh, um, because I think it just it just opens your eyes in a whole new way. 
here's my answer for this because you said you know you mentioned different cuts of a movie it made me think of the butthole cut of cats what if cats was just shreks (gasps) oops all shreks (laughs) think about it i mean i'm i'm thinking about it and i'm I'm getting all horny yeah well we'll, this is an this will be an ongoing question Mm -hmm. for us it'll be on my mind um barb and star more like shrek and shrek go to (laughs) i mean the movies write themselves truly (laughs) shrek 2 get more shreks in there there were enough shreks that's my main note about shrek 2 um God, Shrek rocks. It's it's staggering. <laughs> and uh, and oh, and then and, and we're gonna close on a question because we always give our guests an opportunity to to plug. But do we ever plug our personal projects? I think for the most part we don't because we're so we're so humble. humble. Oh my oh, goodness! And the it's, modesty it's hard for us. is just overwhelming. So so MJ asked. Uh, I follow you both on social media, so I catch some of this, but please brag. Uh, what other projects have you worked on that we should check out slash follow? Caitlin, would you like to go first? Sure. Well, here's what I'm going to do is plug my screenwriting classes, of which I have Excellent. a new intro class starting up in February. And there are spots at the time of this recording, spots still available. It is a class that is suitable for pretty much anyone, complete beginners. It's suitable for someone who has maybe some screenwriting background, but maybe just wants to be held accountable to develop a new project. You know, if you have maybe a film background, but not a screenwriting background, you know, it's it's I've designed it so that it's just a good intro that is appropriate for basically anyone who isn't already someone who has a master's degree in screenwriting okay oh yeah (laughs) so um i have spots it starts in february i believe it's on saturdays it's an online class that i conduct through zoom if anyone is interested in that tweet at me and i'll send you the registration link um i'll also be oh i should update my you know what? I will have updated my website, caitlindurante.com slash classes. And the link will be there as well as just more info about the different screenwriting classes I teach. So check that out. And also follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I would actually love that because um, the more followers I have, the more valid I feel as a human being. Because that's the sad state isn't that an amazing of the society feeling. we live in. So, <laughs> so uh, give me a little follow on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Caitlin Durante on both platforms. Please and Ooh. thank you. Jamie, what about you? What would you like to plug? Um, You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram if you choose. Uh, Jamie Loftus Help on Twitter. Jamie Cry Superstar on Instagram. Uh, but I would point you to a few things. I, I've been doing solo podcasts that are uh, investigative uh, for the last two years now. If you haven't listened to them, I did my year in Mensa, which is about a year-long uh, sort of investigation and a uh, piece I did about uh, how fucked up the Mensa organization is. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, I did Lolita podcast, which um, we talked about on we've talked about on this feed as well, but it was kind of a, a deep dive into Vladimir Nabokov's Lolita 
and all of the kind of uh, complicated cultural elements that were pulled into that work over the years. And uh, this last summer, I did a feminist intersectional analysis of the Kathy comics called ActCast. And I got to talk to creator Kathy Geisweit. I got to talk to a lot of amazing artists, uh, a lot of, and in all of those shows, there are people who are part of the Bechtel cast expanded universe involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sophie Lichterman produces them. Caitlin does voices in them. It's all very fun. And uh, I work really hard in them and, and I'm proud of them. So if you like stuff like that, go listen to that. I write for a show called Teenage Youth in Asia that's on Adult Swim mm-hmm. that is difficult to stream, but if you can watch it, it's uh, quite good. It stars Maria Bamford and Joe Firestone, and it's about uh, three generations of women living in a zombie funeral home in Florida. It's very fun. Love it. And then I have a book about hot dogs that's coming out next year, so Mm. don't worry about it for now. (laughs) Amazing. Jamie, you are truly a superstar just like as are you your my friend instagram says thank you <laughs> <laughs> yes uh that's what i'm trying to say with jamie Cray's superstar <laughs> um yeah so listeners check out all of that and follow us and validate our existence please and thanks and then follow the Bechtel cast as well mm-hmm. uh in all the regular places instagram twitter at Bechtelcast. once again one more plug for the patreon aka matreon which is where we got all these wonderful questions mm-hmm. today and thank you again to everyone who submitted yes such such wonderful, thoughtful people we have as matrons. Truly, thank you so much. Our community fucking rocks. Thank you for another awesome year. And and again, like we do this at the beginning of most years because we're just kind of like taking stock. We're we're in the planning phases. We we've got an exciting year planned for you. Mm-hmm. Lots of uh, returning guests. Lots of new guests. Lots of movies that I mean we've been going back and you know, there's it's been five years and there's some movies that you guys are like. Hey, what the fuck? And it, and and look, you're not wrong. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna be addressing some this year. Um, and just you know, bringing in a, a lot of new filmmakers and guests. So, mm-hmm. uh, thank you again for for being with us and for being a part of our community. Indeed. And yeah, we'll uh, we'll catch you next week on the feed. And we've got uh, I, I think a, a lot of popular requests coming out in January. So look forward to that. We sure do. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.